Hello and welcome to Talking Flutes Extra. My name is Jean-Paul Wright and I'm joined today by the host with the most, well in fact the host of Talking Flutes, the proper podcast channel, Claire Southworth. Hi Claire. Hi Jean-Paul, happy new year to you. Yeah, it's the first time we've got to see each other. Yep. What have you done? What have I done? Since Christmas or over Christmas? Oh, crikey, yeah, that's a fair point, isn't it? Because we're early February now, so... Yeah, let's go back to Christmas. What do you do at Christmas? Um, My memories of eating too much, drinking too much, but also having lots of family here, and lots of cooking, lots of clearing up, lots of laughter, good time. Interesting you said family, because... I, when somebody asked me the other day, a psychologist friend of mine, I said I had the kids over, and he said, that's interesting, you refer them to as kids, bearing in mind they're all in their 20s. I do, I do exactly the same. My, my kids, or my children, are 26 and 22. <laughs> same as mine, yes. Um, but I still, I, I still call them that. Yeah, because it sounds weird if we said, yeah, we had the adults over, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, very, very weird. And uh, did you start the jigsaw puzzle? Absolutely. On Boxing Day, I always have a very challenging puzzle, at least 2,000 pieces, no less, and we all get stuck in. So Boxing Day is my day. I don't do anything except my jigsaw puzzle. It's, it's very good um, relaxation. It's a bit like mindfulness. And New Year. How do you year, celebrate New Year? We don't really do very much. I mean, we, this year we watched the fireworks on the, on the TV. Yeah, so do we. Glass of champagne. Did you understand the music that was going on? It's a bit strange, wasn't it? Very strange, yes. No, I don't remember it, but I remember it being odd. (laughs) (laughs) Right, flutes for the coming year. Um, The reason I've come down is because in December we invited people to send in questions. And we've had rather a lot. So the reason I've come down to see you, and I think I mentioned when I walked in through the door that I left my home in Tunbridge Wells this morning and it was chucking it down. I get down to Hove and it is sunny. It's always sunny. You always say this, but I suppose it is. With this little corner, southeast corner of, of England, tends to have good weather. It would be nice. No, it wouldn't be nice, but it would be interesting to come down one day and it isn't sunny. Well, I'm sure it'll happen during the year. <laughs> <laughs> right, should we just jump straight into the questions then? Let's These are all fluty questions. And the first one comes from a Jaden Fuller who lives in Northumberland, which is in the north of England. How to make realistic goals rather than simple dreams? Is this possible? I'd imagine that he's talking about flute playing. Over to you, Claire. Yeah, I, I, absolutely, you must be talking about flute playing. But it's a, it's a very interesting question, because this is the time of year for resolutions and goal setting. Most, a lot of people in the new year set a new year resolution. Are you one of these? Yes, I am, actually. I find New Year is, is new beginnings, new starts. I often feel quite refreshed going into the new year. I'm completely useless at resolutions. <laughs> I, I used to write lots and then would look back at the end of January and... Well, pro- maybe that was the, that's the problem. It, it's, it, it, maybe you had too many. Yeah, that's me though, isn't it? The well, obsessive it's, nature. It's interesting because you think, you know, what are realistic goals? Because mm. um, it's a very subjective question. Well, that it? word, isn't it? Realistic. Realistic. So you could say that one way of describing it is that realistic goals are when the chances of success in achieving the goals are high. So when the chances are high of achieving it. So the realistic bit is based around your own chances, your own measurable chances. Yes, and that in itself is difficult to set as well. But I think setting goals is is a really good thing to do. 
But if they're too high or too low, they can only lead to disappointment. Would you, uh, would you, without butting, I'm sorry, I'm butting in here, as usual, would you recommend goal chunking? In other words, to have uh, a short-term goal oh, and then a chunk above that? Absolutely, absolutely. I think you've got to have long-term and short-term, definitely, which let's, well, I'm sure we'll get into that, that later on. But, you know, these goals can help us believe that we can achieve something more than we are at the moment... But then you've also got to translate those goals into actions. Yes. So I've got, I found a quote for you. Go on. Theodore Roosevelt. Do you mm-hmm. remember who he was? President. Previous president of the Americas. Yeah, right at the beginning of the 20th century. Yep. And his quote is, he said, in any moment of decision, the best thing you can do is the right thing. The next best thing is the wrong thing. <laughs> and the worst thing you can do is nothing. Yeah. All right. So that's, if you think about that at the, the new year, the worst thing you can do is nothing. So we have to think about the difference. In, if we go back to our question, you have to think about the difference between dreams and goals. Yeah. So dreams, I find it difficult to just describe this, but maybe you could say they give you a warm feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and goals need planning. And they need focus and direction. So the goals can come from you, or they could be teacher-led, if you have lessons, you can ask for a plan of action. So your teachers are there to guide you and help give practical advice. So if you've got a teacher, use them. That's what they're there for. If they're too general, for example, if you say to yourself, I must practice more, it's very hard to achieve because it's not specific. So you've got to keep the goals small, specific and achievable. For example, I'm going to practice four days this week and timetable the sessions or I'm going to learn a new scale each week. You've got to be very honest with yourself, haven't you? And yes, you have. And what is achievable. And also maybe write, write down what you want to achieve, because that makes it clearer, so you can actually see what it is you want to be doing. Uh, and it, that helps you achieve. It's a bit, you know, but being a bit more specific, I, I could say it's a bit like going to the gym to get fit. So the long-term goal is to get fit, and the short-term goal would be to maybe lose two pounds a week so if you want to get fit and lose weight that's the long-term goal short term lose two pounds a week and that's achievable yeah um, but the physic- you can actually physically feel that and you can obviously visually see it the change yes with your flute playing that's quite hard isn't it it's very hard so in music a long-term could be goal could be maybe take an exam play in a concert learn a new piece and then for short term you isolate your weak areas, so maybe slow fingers, fuzzy articulation, weak tone, and then you plan a course of action where you tackle those areas each time you practice. So it doesn't matter how short your time is. You could just say, I'm going to work on my single tonguing five minutes each practice session. And then those short practice sessions will build and you'll achieve your long-term goal. So if you're, if you're going to do that, for example, would you say, right, in, a, in four weeks' time, if I do my five, five minutes a day on the tonguing, on the articulation, that in a month I would hopefully be able to play this passage? Yes. Because of all the build-up And the thing work. is, you, you need to know where your starting point is. So let's just take a simple example. Say that you knew that you could play... Say you had a, a, a fast passage, and you're playing it as accurately as you can at the slowest speed that helps you get it accurate and you time yourself on that passage 
Yep. And then you say, right, I'm not going to tie myself again for a month. And in the next four weeks, you're going to work at your finger technique using different rhythms, different groupings, linking groups, and other finger exercises to help get you a little bit faster. And each week, try and push yourself from your slower speed. And then in a month's time, just play it and time yourself and see where you are. That could work. And that goes back to a previous podcast when you said the importance of actually recording yourself when you're doing measurables. Yes, because that is measurable. Getting faster in technique is measurable. Getting faster in, in articulation is measurable. Improving your tone is much more difficult to be measurable. Again, it's very subjective. But if you're practicing your tone each session, even just for a little bit, it will get better, it will improve. So to put a realistic goal on a tonal improvement is probably not a very good short-term goal because, as you say, the, the, the audible difference, perhaps to yourself, is, you, you, I think you'd feel it if you're practising long notes, wouldn't you? Yeah, but the short-term goal would be to increase maybe the time you practise your long notes if you think oh, that yeah. tone is weak. So your short-term goal is to be more consistent with that practice rather than be thinking that you're not getting anywhere with it. Right, yes. So your, your goals are on the practice rather than the auditory outcome. Yes. I, I, mean, I said earlier on about if you write down your goals, that makes them more realistic, more real, because it's so easy to forget. So a New Year's resolution, which you say in your head, I'm going to do X, you know, by February, you've forgotten <laughs> quite what that is. So it's good to write down what your goals are. I I read something at least a year ago about Rory McIlroy, the golfer. You know me in golf. Yes. And at the end of each season, he writes down what he's achieved and what he would like to achieve for the next season and he doesn't look at that bit of paper again until the end of the following season. So it's almost a letter to me. Yes. Oh, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So... But remember that if you aim too low, it can demotivate you. And if you aim far too high, it can demotivate you. But if, you, if you're realistic in your aim, it can also energise you and sort of get you into action. Are you an advocate of journaling? Journaling, as in writing notes yeah. as you go along. Each day, writing down what you've done, plan ahead. Um, I, I, did, I used to do that, yes. I used to have a a list to tick off that I would tick or tick through. You know, as I would do things, I would I would tick them off that I've done them because it almost cleared a, head in, a space in my head. Yeah. So that was good. Otherwise, your head becomes too cluttered, too full. So it's not good for your mental health to be full of the things that you think you need to be practising. It gets, it gets too busy. So in your short-term goals, make a list, tick them off. And not to try and expect too much in the short term. No, no. So, because you, if you aim way beyond your capabilities, you'll stop and give up. And if, in flute playing, well, in music in general, short-term goals are quite hard to sort of achieve, aren't they, if you're working on the technique and the, and the tonal uh, aspects of your playing? Maybe, but it's all subjective, isn't it? It might be that if you're consistent with your practice, you are moving forward but it might be difficult to hear that. That's where your, a, a teacher is really good because, you know, you might have two weeks between lessons and your teacher says, wow, you've been practising because they can, they, they can be far more objective then when there's been a gap. If you're a, a full-time uh, music student, you know, specialising in flute, 
you know, where you're practicing hours every day, it's very difficult to be objective about how you're doing because you, you're hearing things in minute detail. Mm. But a teacher can hear that when they've been a gap of a week or two. So that's a rather long answer to what initially looked like a very simple question yeah. about realistic goals and dreams. And yeah. But uh, one step at a time. Oh, absolutely. Should one be step able time. To run, should we? And think about if you are realistic and you set your goals right, it will boost your confidence, it aids your motivation, it helps your skill, it's good for discipline, control, for planning, for time management. It works for all those things. And when you, come, when you actually come to performance, you feel so much more comfortable Absolutely. ahead of time. Yeah. Yep. Thanks on that one. And moving on to number two. And this comes from Elisa Pawpoint-Smith in Melbourne, Australia. As a flute professor, and I'm, I assume she's not referring to me. <laughs> no, that's obviously to you, Claire. What is your recommend... Oh, sorry. What do you recommend players do when they hit a rough patch, when nothing seems to be going right? This sort of ties in, what we've, in with what we've just been yeah. talking about. I, I suppose a simple answer is persevere. Because for every rough patch, there's a good patch. Also very subjective, uh, because often a, a, a student can, can arrive for a lesson and, and you as the teacher hear improvement, but the student doesn't. I suppose if you're struggling, one technique is change your routine or change the method of practice. And that, that go, that's in life as well. So if you're, you're struggling to get your articulation quicker or clearer and you're thinking, I'm just hitting a brick wall, change it. Go and do something else. It's, it's a really good method of practice. You change. Or if you're working on tone production with long notes, which is always difficult to be subjective again, split it up into smaller sessions. Play melodies rather than long notes. You don't just have to play the same exercise. I talked about creativity in the first podcast of the year and create your own exercises. So... Don't think you just have to stick to the book that's in front of you. Make your own exercises up. That in itself can help you move forward. Other things you can do. We talked a minute ago about uh, your head getting too full of ideas and to tick them off as you do them. I'm all for taking a break. So go for a walk. Have a cup of tea. Practice should definitely involve thinking time as much as blowing time. So you listen, you think... And then you act. And don't be too hard on yourself. Everyone hits plateaus. So it's just like dieting. <laughs> you know, it's the same thing. It's, a, it's in everything that people do to try and improve on an aspect of their life. You'll hit a point where it doesn't improve as quickly as you would like it to. So you've just got to be back to being realistic. So being realistic, if you realise you're going through a rough patch... Is acceptance of that, do you think that then releases the stress of... Yeah, yeah, so we're back to your, back to mental well-being, that you're strong enough to say, I'm struggling with this, I'm not quite sure where I'm going with this, so let's put that on a back burner and go to something else. But make a note of it, and then for this, this lady who, who asked the question, she's Lisa, a music student, yeah. then you, you go to your teacher next week and you say, I've really struggled with X rather than just keep it to yourself. It's important to communicate and to be open about what you struggle with, as much as the things that you find easy. And it's okay to struggle, isn't it, Claire? Absolutely okay to struggle. And 
as you said, it's the acceptance of that which will help you move forward. For music college students in particular, the, the, the problem is that you're so focused on minute details that it's very difficult to be realistic about progress. Do you find with music students, certainly the academies and high-performing colleges around the world, that if they're going through a rough patch, they tend to practice harder and for longer? Some do. Some don't. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes, if you keep sort of flogging away at an area of technique that that you're, you're having difficulties with, you can end up with it getting worse. Now, it's interesting, this, because I remember when I was at... When I was at college, I practised a lot at college, so I would do at least six hours a day. And it was a full six hours, and I, I had a plan, and it worked. There'd come a time where I'd be really working hard at an area, say an area of technique, and I'd get to the point where suddenly my fingers wouldn't be working. And it was so frustrating, because I knew I'd done all the work before it, be practising hard and think, it's just not working, just not working. And then... I would always remind myself, ah, now's the time to stop and tomorrow it'll be better. And every time, the next day, I'd pick up that that passage and I could play it. It's really interesting. So I always knew there was a pointer for me that when it started to go downhill, I'd overdone it, done too much. And then I would stop, sleep on it, and the next day it would be fine. So the major overview of this question is it's normal to have rough patches. It's okay to have rough rough patches. Notice when you do. Don't beat yourself up and sleep on it. Yeah, be kind to yourself. Oh, I like that. Be kind to yourself. Oh, I don't know. We can continue after that. (laughs) (laughs) Right, quite an interesting question came in, and I think I might use this in future Talking Flute Extra podcasts. Yes, it's a good one. It is. And, you know, I haven't written down who it's come from. (laughs) But anyway, it says the following... And I'm going to throw this at you, Claire. Yeah. If you could take one flute and one non-flute recording onto a desert island, along with a book, a piece of food, a drink and one luxury item, what would they be? So, should we go back to the first one? Yeah. This is such a tricky question. I love desert island questions. And and I definitely think we should keep this in our in our podcast yes yeah i think so, I, I might tweak it and say if you're going to mars you can have the desert island i'll <laughs> going to mars i think that's quirky enough for you yes yeah. okay because there's no, there's no coming back from mars is there <laughs> <laughs> at least there's island there's a chance of rescue absolutely but as i said it's, it's a tricky one so so many gorgeous recordings yes <gasps> very hard i could choose whips Bach's G minor concerto recording. Yes. Fabulous. Or I could pick Jimmy's Lieberman concerto. Right. Absolutely glorious. But I think I would have to go for something longer because I'm on a desert island. <laughs> so longer with a mixture of great excitement and beautiful melodies. Yep. So I would put Wissam Bustani's recording of the Catch Turing concerto. Maybe my favourite piece. Wow. That was left field for me. Yeah, it's the most incredible piece of music. It's got a bit of everything. And I've, I think I mentioned last year in one of the podcasts, maybe with Wiesam, that the, uh, I remember clearly him playing the catch in at college. And he did the slow movement in... Uh, the, I heard him in his dress rehearsal. And the slow movement was the, the most beautiful thing I'd ever heard. So his recording, I would, I would take... 
One um, non-flute recording. Non-flute is trickier, but easy in one sense, because it definitely wouldn't be classical. Ah, but you're not a Nirvana or Black Sabbath type of lady, are no. you? No. There are so many I could choose. I could choose Adele's 25 album. Yep. Or Focus Greatest Hits. Do you remember the Dutch group of the 1970s? I'm looking With a flute here. player. Flute no. player who, who's, who studied at the Conservatoire in Amsterdam. If you've never listened to Focus, go and listen. There's a wonderful flute track called Love Remembered, which is a flute solo, but there's flute featuring lots of their music. They're a little bit off the wall, fantastic group. I could pick Greatest Hits of the Beatles mm-hmm. or Bread. Remember David Gates <laughs> oh, and yes. Bread? Yep. Beautiful music. But I think... I'll go with the Beach Boys' greatest hits. Oh, yes. Yes, I get that. Yep. So that's, again, wonderful music. The harmonies, the way the voices are, are layered, yeah, the textures. Did, this is just for when you're lying on the beach listening, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Lying on this desert island beach. Absolutely. Right. What book? What book? Yeah. Oh, that wasn't in the question. But I'll, let me think about that book. Now, yeah, I suppose it'll have to be quite a long one, bearing in mind you don't know how long you'll be on the desert island. It would have to be a really long one. You know, I'm not sure about that. I think it would have to be maybe the complete works of somebody. So maybe it could be someone like, could be Shakespeare. Yeah. It could be Dickens. Yes. Or it could be, oh, I don't know. I think that would be a hard one. Or maybe an encyclopedia. <laughs> <laughs> to, to increase my knowledge. Maybe I'll go with that. OK. I'll, I'll give you that one. A piece of food. So hard, this, isn't it? Yeah. So I think I'll keep it simple. I'll, I'll pick a watermelon because it's got seeds. And you can grow them. And then I'll grow them. Uh, that's, uh, I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting a piece of curry or um, <laughs> <laughs> a drink. Um, that's easy. I'll have a ready-mixed Pim's cocktail. A few litres. <laughs> a ready-mixed Pim's cocktail. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, there is nowhere to go with that, is there? <laughs> there is a long way to go. A few litres, a few a gallons. A few litres, yeah. <laughs> uh, and one, one luxury item. Easy. My golf clubs packed with air-filled balls that float. Ah, yes. And, do you know, Claire, I've... <laughs> Uh, I know that I know I threw these at you sort of on, off the cuff, but uh, uh, you're very quick and uh, I enjoy <laughs> those. I don't think mine, mine would be as sensible. Mind you, I'm on the way to Mars, so they wouldn't have to be. I'm very interested to hear what your answers will be. Uh, I think we'll have to do that on another, on another, occasion, pod, on yes. another occasion. <laughs> uh, Claire, um, I suppose you listened, well, you would have listened to my very short podcast on the 24th of December. Yes, I did. When I said to the audience that I'd put out through all our social media and web contacts how long the recommended or they would feel is the best time for podcast recording. So we can close the Talking Flutes Extra podcast this week by reminding everybody that they can send their questions to flutepodcasts at gmail.com and if they're very simple, I can, or I can answer them on my Talking Flutes Extra pods or if they're more complicated um actually fluty tooty generated they can be passed over to claire so thanks again claire for inviting me down and um i think we can record the next one after coffee sounds like a very good idea (laughs) thanks a lot
Talking Flutes and Talking Flutes Extra are podcast productions by the Trevor James Flute Company. For more information, visit trevorjamesflutes.com.